Hey, what's up everyone? It's Chris Martin here, the founder of Hemp Clothing Australia. This is the first Hemp Clothing Australia podcast. Um, I thought I'd jump on and start podcasting for a couple of reasons, mainly because yeah, it's a great emerging way to engage with everyone from just general listeners right the way through to uh, our clients and stockists. Um, but uh, really, the main reason I wanted to start podcasting is to help people understand a little bit more about not only myself, but the reason why I started Hemp Clothing Australia. Um, my general interests at this point in time, at 29 years of age, are to radically improve the way that we live our lives, but view new opportunities uh, that may not necessarily come our way unless people share information and share experiences. It seems to be it in this point in time, as we trek our way through life, that a lot of people are getting caught up in the day-to-day -day way of living, which seems to be highly orientated, first of all, around money and the way that we make money to sustain our life and that process uh, is seemingly unavoidable for, for most, but the way that this translates back into decision-making is very important because there are a bunch of emerging trends that seem to be opening up, and one is that in the near future we may not need to earn what we call money. Uh, there seems to be some indications that one day the human race will not be operating off a monetary system, but rather a universal basic income of some sorts or a, a trade. Um, it's sort of like a trade agreement of some sorts where we share resources globally, but um, I think the building blocks of what this will be is a much wiser, uh, more informed population, a global population that understands the need of balance. And uh, I believe that balance is, uh, it is viewable in all things, but uh, in the way that we live our lives, we obviously, we all need food, we all need clothing, we all need shelter. And uh, since I packed up my acting career and moved more into things that I believed meaned more to me in life, uh, I found that the lineage through my mother's side of the family in clothing, uh, fashion design, um, just Danish uh, design. Um, we had ancestors that came out from, uh, from Denmark many, many years ago, decades ago, and they would essentially uh, part of the industry of um, mining and machinery, constructing machinery to help uh, some of the first Australian miners get get ahead and design and uh, construct machinery, essentially to help them mine uh, in Victoria. And as the years sort of went on, the family uh, on my mother's side became um, settled, at least in this country, and, and, and uh, found a way to navigate their way through this very tough environment, which we call Australia. Um, but through the years, uh, the, my mother's side of the family became 
uh, very good at uh, design uh, in the fashion realm. And then that led to my mother and my auntie carrying on from my grandmother uh, and, and her skill sets. And uh, they eventually wound up founding a label called Catan. And Catan was a knitwear label that was run in uh, Sydney. And that was a very successful knitwear label throughout the late 80s. And the only reason it came to an end was because my mother had my brother Paul and then she had myself in 1988. And she could not run the business uh, any longer and be a full-time mum. So Catan Knitwear eventually uh, shut down um, and both my mother and my auntie went on to separate endeavours. But the tradition of clothing manufacturing and uh Clothing design uh, lives on in my latest uh, business endeavor. Um, I started an original clothing production company, uh, manufacturing company uh, called Style Connection uh, in about 2013. And that company still runs today, but it was sort of the precursor to what is now hemp uh, hemp clothing australia and hemp clothing australia is by far my major focus uh, these days it's about 90 percent of my business focus and uh, a seven day a week job uh, task call it what you would but um, i really do believe in working for oneself uh, as being a great way to navigate your way through life and be able to take uh, difficult times but also the positive times and then have that balance in the middle that uh, allows one to work say seven days a week but not fully feel like you are a slave to a certain man or a higher order or something that is ruling your life you can essentially do your own thing in this world and certainly in the age of the internet you can run your life in a way that you can connect with people so much faster than our ancestors ever could. And this means that opportunities are essentially endless in this point in time. Um, if you have a smartphone and you have a connection to the internet, you can basically learn anything. You have almost the entire world's knowledge in your pocket. And this is something that uh, Nikola Tesla alluded to um, almost 90 years ago. He predicted that one day man would be walking around with, he didn't use the word smartphone, but he said that we would have some sort of a communication device in our hip pocket and that it would be wireless and we would be able to connect with people on the other side of the world. And you can look that up, it's an interesting fact. Uh, that he alluded to. I believe it was in an interview almost 90 years ago. But the point is uh, I am creating this podcast um, and it is purely for the reason of not only putting down my own thoughts on the re-emergence of the hemp and cannabis industries and how that plays into my current company, Hemp Clothing Australia, but... Uh, I do want an avenue of recording my own thoughts and being able to access them later and perhaps people in real time and also in the future may find these thoughts useful when reflecting on them. 
uh, in future. And uh, I think to sum up what we'll sort of talk about in this first episode is the basis of my sort of uh, look out on the world, but to cut it down quite quickly and just uh, open this first episode as a precursor to everything that we will talk about in this series. So in this podcast, I would primarily be focusing on my business, Hemp Clothing Australia, and help people sort of understand why I created this company, the huge hole I saw in the market about two years ago, around 2015, late 2015, I saw that there was this sort of re-emergence of hemp and I wasn't entirely uh, convinced about it, but that was mainly because my knowledge of hemp was quite limited at that time. Uh, I was 27 at the time where I sort of first began looking back into it and then I met some very influential people in my life and they helped sort of re-educate me or bring me up to speed with a lot of things that I either didn't know or hadn't quite picked up on in my own research and this sort of formulated the pathway for uh, a rather rapid creation of Hemp Clothing Australia. It sort of came about a lot faster than my first company primarily because once you've started your first company you've done all the hard work you've done it before and your second third fourth fifth company however many you choose to create in your lifetime you may only ever choose to create one or you might never create a company but the point is once you've created one company the follow-up companies from that um, the additional companies you add to that list will not be as hard to create purely because you've taken the plunge the first time and the second and third time and so on just don't become as much of a challenge Uh, you know what you need to do and if you've done all of your research into the field that you are going into uh, you can adapt quite quickly to anything that needs to change so I started Hemp Clothing Australia and uh, the business was officially registered uh, in March of 2017, that's this year, and uh, it was a rather spare-of-the-moment decision to initially just go ahead and do it. I, I didn't really see any gigantic hurdles as why not to do it um it was more the fact that there was very few or there were very few uh competitors in the area but it wasn't a pure uh purely business-based decision it was more to uh make use of this amazing uh plant which we refer to as hemp um it is obviously part of a huge family um you can pick numerous amounts of cultivars of both hemp and cannabis for many different reasons. We don't quite know uh, how many total cultivars there are between the many existing branches, the families of hemp and cannabis. Um, There is now crossbreeding and all sorts of different ways to create new 
uh, varieties, cultivars, so on and so forth. And uh, it's not my expertise. Uh, this isn't my field of growing the actual crops, but in terms of um, selecting from certain types of hemp which relate to my industry, uh, that is something we work with with our manufacturers to uh, make sure we get the best results. And I'm really excited for where this will lead in future, particularly with the re-emergence of hemp cultivation in Australia. It has always been quite limited here, but we've had pockets of the industry um, going for quite some time, but it was never a mass-produced crop. As far as I know and the reading I've done, Australia was always a little bit behind the eight ball, partly because of our geographical location in the world and the fact that most of the world's hemp seems to have been historically grown throughout China and the Middle East, uh, Eastern Europe, um, and perhaps other parts of the world. But um, it was up until the 1900s, as far as we know, the most used uh, crop for fiber um, you know, creating everything from shipping sails, which brought our ancestors out to Australia, um, right the way through to perhaps you know seed, oil, uh, medicine from cannabis has supposedly been used for thousands of years, whether people referred to it as uh, cannabis or um, you know other sorts of localized names throughout the world we we don't know how many different cultures have accessed this over the past few thousand years but we have evidence to suggest that the chinese for instance have used this for between eight to ten thousand years and the middle east who knows we i mean i have no real data on this but there's a lot of evidence to say it's been around for a very long time and uh that it was a real shame to see not only the cannabis industry, but the hemp industry suffer a huge blow in the 1920s and 30s due to prohibition, mostly spread by the United States. Uh, not necessarily the, the government directly doing this, but it was an industry-backed sabotage of the, in, of the hemp and cannabis industry. Um, I believe hemp got caught up in the whirlwind because cannabis... Uh, was a threat to the pharmaceutical industries of the time and indeed pharmaceutical industries used to use cannabis before they became aggressively, uh, globally active. Uh, the, the modern form of what we believe is a pharmaceutical company I don't think represents what they were capable of back in the 1920s, you know, 1930s. But uh, the hemp industry was actually a direct target of paper milling industries. Um, So, uh, you know, you're talking about people like William Randolph Hearst. uh, That was a very prominent um, paper family. Um, And by that, I mean newspapers. And they also had um, investments or vested interests in paper milling. And hemp was obviously far more efficient than cutting down and pulping uh, trees. So you have a, a series of events which uh, led to the gutting of the hemp industry. Uh, the cannabis industry was also targeted, and basically this has led to a 70-year, uh, almost 80-year prohibition that went 
eventually spread throughout the entire globe and affected multiple countries' ability to not only cultivate but continue to use, uh, you know, the tens of thousands of products that can be produced from this uh, family of plants. Um, so anyway, this is all being reversed nowadays, which is great. There's a lot coming back at a rate of knots, and this is what we need to see, um, particularly in the uh, current age. We need to rapidly overhaul the way that humanity is doing a lot of things. Uh, you know, trashing the environment for fiscal gain is just not an option anymore. It will continue to happen until we find ways to end that train of thinking, but uh, the corporatization of the globe, um, the monetization of natural resources, whether it is harmful or not to the environment, it is it has already happened. It is in place, but we as a global community have to find out uh, ways of being not only more efficient, but just wiser with the decisions that we are making. We need to stop thinking in short-term cycles. Um, you know, uh, endless growth is not uh, possible. You cannot continue to swell the coffers, so to speak, and have no uh, ecological backlash. Um, so... At 29 years of age, I would like to see more of uh, more of this sort of train of thought being spread amongst emerging businesses uh, in education. I would like to see more positive um, literature generated. I would like to see more people sharing great ideas. I would like to see a lot less uh, of the traditional uh, business concepts being taught in our schools and universities because they reflect the old guard, the the teachers, if you will, of a way of business that just does not seem to be sustainable, at least to not only my generation but many generations. We have seen the cracks appear and, uh, you know, we've obviously had major global events, you know, man-made or uh, man-caused events that have really sort of put the writing on the wall that we've got to change. So it's not about looking at the globe in a state of distress and panic, but realising that there is a huge opportunity to make some changes. So for me, uh, I looked at the way that the clothing industry was just gutting uh, the planet Um, through many different avenues. It was one of the most polluting industries uh, of the world. You know, we have the petrochemical industry um, is obviously very damaging. um, And, you know, for the people that work in that industry, I don't have anything against them as as people, but um, I do believe that a transition from petrochemicals to more natural uh, alternatives is obviously the way to go and some gigantic companies are looking at strategies to diversify. Uh, you only have to look at the the monetary spread that is happening, the diversification of investment that existing petrochemical companies are looking at. 
putting into renewables and um, electronic technology, solar, wind. Uh, some are diversifying faster than others, but, you know, uh, we only have to look at the automotive industry, for an example. Um, we had essentially... Uh, early electronic vehicle programs happening and uh, they were crushed by the existing automotive industry and um, did not survive. But with the emergence of companies like Tesla um, run by Elon Musk and showing the American uh, automotive industry that not only could uh, a new age of US-made electric vehicles survive uh, but they could actually thrive and change the world. And now we have every major car company on the planet looking at developing some sort of an electric-based or hybrid-based vehicle. And that is the catalyst for change. Someone has to come through and show things can be done differently. So for me personally, uh, I thought that with the family history that we had, um, it was a natural progression to make a second uh, clothing company and uh, this time have it aggressively focused in sustainable solutions um, and really just sort of step back and rebuild uh, or create something new uh, from scratch is probably a better expression. Uh, create a company that just from the ground up, uh, challenged the way that we thought about clothing, challenged the norms, challenged the cycle of product creation, manufacturing, uh, sourcing, just really took everything back and, uh, re you know, just refocused um, a way of doing things in the fashion industry and... Uh, the natural progression of all of this was to, of course, use hemp and refer to very solid lit uh, literature and, uh, uh, you know, educational films, documentaries, uh, old physical samples of, you know, garments that I've seen that are over 100 years old, still in shape, um, just going with the evidence as best we could. I sampled a lot of different... Um, what we call eco-materials or textiles and, you know, everything from organic cottons to bamboo, um, you know, even silks, uh, wool, um, a lot of different things. And some of those are less ecologically sustainable than others. And it always just, you know, returned to the fact that hemp was way better uh, across many different functions, uh, durability, uh, naturally antimicrobial. Um, it's just the, the many benefits of it and the way that it functioned really stood out for me. And it was the farming side of hemp, the cultivation side of hemp, that really got me interested because it's not necessarily just about being sustainable. This is a regenerative... Uh, regenerative form of farming and what that means is this is a crop that doesn't it uh, doesn't damage the environment it actually repairs the environment in its production and this is a game-changing concept because 
when you grow something like bamboo or you grow something like organic cotton, uh, soy, flax, any of these things, uh, there always seems to be somewhere along the line an ecological downside on mass-producing those particular uh, those particular materials, uh, those particular crops. It's a process of going through the many um, avenues and uh, requirements of those industries and those uh, forms of farming that you identify certain problems and issues. Now, it's not to say that these are just things we need to outlaw or do anything drastic about. I, I don't want to see those things disappear, but um, we have to keep working on those uh, those materials um, those sorts of crop rotations in a way to cut down what is harming the environment. But with hemp, it was just uh, immediately a process of identifying that, you know, uh, if, you, if we can grow a crop that doesn't require herbicides, doesn't require pesticides, um, requires very little water at all uh, to grow, um, and as the saying is, it grows like a weed. Uh, so very low maintenance. Um, the standout quality of hemp that I identified was that it actually aerates the soil. It has a deep penetrating root system that provides oxygen back into the soil and can actually repair damaged soil. Uh, hemp can be rotated with other crops to repair the soil between planting another crop that may damage the soil. So there are multiple uses for this plant that just keep popping up. Um, I would point to the Chernobyl disaster, the nuclear meltdown, where they used hemp apparently in the local area to help remove some of the heavy metals, the, uh, the nuclear base damage to that area by planting hemp and it was also i believe considered that they were going to plant hemp in uh, the fukushima um, area uh, in japan um, although it i don't believe that ever happened but the japanese were considering planting hemp but due to political issues and so on and so forth um, i don't believe that ever happened but you would have to look into that and do your own research but um, certainly hemp has numerous benefits beyond just creating, you know, clothing and textiles, fibres, you know, seed, oil, um, you know, pet, uh, pet resources such as pet bedding and, you know, feed for pets. And then there's also, um, you know, we can make hempcrete from, from hemp, which is a probably the most promising new building material uh, we can create car bodies out of it like henry ford did you can create uh, uh essentially fuel uh fuel that we can run uh, existing machinery on from hemp uh it's it's an endless sort of list that uh, really requires a lot of personal research and uh if you are interested in hemp or you want to join in the industry or you just want to get involved or up to speed with it I would say get involved with your local hemp uh, community. Generally, most states uh, in Australia have a hemp uh, 
association or body that you can join. Uh, certainly, uh, globally, um, every every country I can think of that is progressive on this issue, uh, you know, the United States, Canada, um, South Korea, uh, China, um, Eastern Europe, uh, I believe a lot of the UK are starting to come on board or already on board. Uh, they all tend to have some sort of a group or body that is uh, accumulating members and, you know, having discussions, conventions, um, Huge, huge amounts of literature is on the internet now about learning uh, about hemp and not only hemp but the cannabis industry. Uh, these two are now sort of side by side with one another uh, fighting the same battles, if, it, uh, if you would look at it that way. Uh, cannabis industry has a lot more uh, pharmaceutical uh, issues to fight against, um, but it is a balance of things like... Um, we are having or seeing pharmaceutical companies that want to move into the cannabis industry and make um, make profits from it, and they already are doing that. You only have to look at things like uh, Sativex, uh, which is a uh, Bayer pharmaceutical-based uh, uh, product. They have teamed up with GW Pharmaceuticals here in Australia to release, you know, a cannabis uh, range of medicines and whether you choose to go pharmaceutical or whole plant, you know, natural, um, locally sourced, everyone wants a piece of this. And um, I would just encourage everyone to go out there and do their research in their local community and find out what's best for you. Uh, you should never jump to the first thing that shows up. But in, re in regards to hemp, um, look, it is a gigantic industry and... Um, it is uh, it's showing huge promise and it's not going away. There is no amount of suppression, oppression, um, propaganda, uh, call it what you will. There is no, there is no amount of negative um, oppression against hemp uh, and cannabis that can shut it down now. It is out there and it is not going away this time. It would have been even a challenge back in the 20s and 30s to crush this industry. But they did eventually succeed in doing that in a way. I mean, you have countries like China who never really sort of stopped cultivating hemp entirely. They were not prepared to listen to the propaganda and um, essentially the push of the synthetics industry and the paper milling industry that, spread uh, internationally um, and that sort of a, a push again by one industry to crush another uh, particularly in the case of hemp and cannabis I don't see that this is ever going to happen again uh, there is just too many benefits there's too much information out on the internet there's too many people networked now there's too much physical literature people still discount how important books are um, while the internet is just uh, a home to the global uh, hub of information, if you will, the, um, the accumulation or the, um, the extent of the total amount of literature and information that is out there now means that it is simply impossible to stop it. 
uh, stop it from happening again. We will not see another event like the 1930s ever happen again. I just don't think it's possible, but um, we will see. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm positive that it's not going anywhere. Um, but look to sort of wind this podcast out. Uh, this is only episode one. There are lots of thoughts and um, just real life experiences that I want to share with uh, you guys because uh, not only do I want to record these um, podcasts for myself and my future reference going back over them uh, to see how far we sort of uh, go and how far we take this, but I want everyone out there to know that um, it isn't impossible to simply just get involved in an industry and start sharing your thoughts, start uh, spreading information and... um, Real-life experiences, I believe, are super important to relay and uh, you know, upload to the internet because it is real people putting out information that can be you know, uh, fact-checked, I guess. You could look into the things that we discuss on this show and uh, you know, send us some feedback. Uh, tell us what's happening in your local community. Um, hit us up on the Facebook and Instagram page. Uh, it, we're all... Uh, on the internet and you know we're, we're hooked into this thing you know we might not be uh cyborgs yet we might not be fully um connected 100 percent of the time but uh i'm just saying that being a part of the the movement uh being a part of this internet uh community um it is a good thing um we are connected in but it is because we we want to be uh, able to talk to one another and express our ideas and concepts and our adventures. Everyone is living their life and they're either enjoying it or not enjoying it or somewhere in the middle, but it is a big world out there. If you are not quite happy with where you're at in life, I would highly encourage you to start putting in motion a, a plan, start effecting a plan to get out there and do something that will help you fulfill your life. Uh, Start doing something that means something to you. It's not always a monetary-based life. You do not have to live in that world. Uh, For me personally, um, making a living out of being involved in the hemp industry is a blessing, and uh, we are by no means taking over the world. Uh, We are essentially just in the dawn of what this business is. Um, Hemp Clothing Australia, for me, was just a natural progression of where I wanted to take not only my life, but the uh, the journey of, of showing the industry that something different could be done and uh, not being exclusive about it. We, we like to help other people, uh, other organisations, governments, um, you know, non-profits, businesses that want to change the way that they clothe their staff. We want uh, all sorts of people to come in and benefit from the hemp industry. We want them to benefit from wearing hemp. Um, I want retail stores. I want online stores and every single outlet you can think of to have at least the access or the ability to choose hemp products because 
they are better for you. They are better for the environment. They are better for our long-term outlook uh, for life itself. And if we do not put options on the table for people to access, then they will have no alternative but to choose the norm, to choose what has been done already, what has essentially rolled the planet, uh, what has uh, damaged our way of life, um, the unsustainable practices of yesteryear, if you will. I would like to propose that um, if you get out there uh, and you get involved in the world, you talk to people, you listen to podcasts, you read or you you enjoy watching documentaries if you like knowledge if you enjoy knowledge uh stay in tune with this podcast i don't know where it will take us but it is orientated around my company because my company is essentially most of my life it is what i do it is what i enjoy doing it is a form of freedom to run your own company that affects change in the way uh that you would like it to affect change when you can do something that will make the change you want to see in the world happen, then uh, that is a blessing. It is, is, I'm lucky to have found it at, at, at this point in my life um, and I will work tirelessly to affect this change that I want to see in the world, but it isn't entirely about me. There is a huge uh, amount that, uh, of people in this um endeavor with me everyone throughout the supply chain the manufacturers i work with the farmers we source from the end users the shops that stock us you know the relations we have with uh, our clients and uh, the relationships i have with the hemp industry the cannabis industry politicians um, we work tirelessly um, to help the local governments and uh federal government uh, at least in australia my connection is to help these people understand uh, that it is okay to not understand the hemp industry in their positions they are not just because they are politicians they are not uh, supposed to understand everything about it right away we we expect our politicians to be uh, you know, well-read on every single topic that we throw at them. Some of them are so caught off guard by these things when they they sort of eventuate, when they blossom, when the hemp industry and cannabis industry came back at a rate of knots in the last, you know, five to ten years. We had politicians who were way behind the eight ball and just didn't know anything. So I'm not defending those who refuse or... Uh, essentially operated around um, failing to act and or they chose to dismiss the hemp and cannabis industry. I will not defend people like that who essentially refuse good information or turn a blind eye because there may be um, money going under the tables. We refer to it as men arriving with briefcases. Uh, it's just the natural course of politics, business, industry. This is what happened in the 1930s. It's not rocket science. Those who have power will always try and affect change in the way that they want to see. So if the hemp and cannabis industry wants to succeed, it must 
bond together, understand that in the political realm at least, things will not change unless our politicians are supported in a way that means that we do not go attack them, we do not instantly go on the offensive, but we use our knowledge and our proof of these beautiful industries which are coming back again. We use that to their political gain and allow them to prosper with us. I mean, that is the only way you will gain support if you keep yelling at these people. I mean, it, it will sort of get through. We, we do uh, understand political cycles. We do understand the Western concept of politics is, is quite daft. You know, three, four-year political cycles, short-term, uh, what is essentially a bad long-term way of going. Um, we do understand the way that these systems operate. So let's use that to our advantage and uh, figure out more intelligent ways of just being being the better guys, doing the right thing, showing it can be done, uh, not hiding in secrecy and uh, doing things, you know, the way that, uh, if you would call them the other side do it, the people that operate in the dark uh, that do things for sinister reasons, that don't necessarily have the public's interests uh, as their first priority. This is one of the most key points I have noticed about the hemp and cannabis industry is that the people that are in this industry for the right reasons are by far the majority of the people already in this industry. We have the latecomers, the people who have seen it blossom and now view it purely as a, a fiscal motivator um, or, you know, situations where the pharmaceutical industry, which I wouldn't say are entirely bad, there are some operators within that industry who are trying to do the right thing, but there are certainly uh, huge amounts of evidence to suggest that they have not uh, unfortunately been doing the right thing by the public on an international scale. It is a huge concern, and I'm disappointed because a lot of people really held their trust in Western medicine, and um, it, this is just what happens. It is the course of power itself, and uh, I believe there is already a bit of an awakening happening, and we won't go on too much about this, but it is it is the balance. It always comes into play when things get out of order, uh, the balance, call it nature itself, it will always find a way to correct. And that correct, uh, that correcting itself has happened um, already, I believe. I think people are far more aware. They are far, far uh, more equipped to identify those who would do us harm or just not do things the right way and fail to cover their tracks. You know, it, it isn't hard to realise when someone is, you know, trying to take you for a ride or sell you a concept that is broken or just stupid or uh, sell you on the idea of, you know, just something that doesn't even need to be a thing. We are talking about, you know the buyout of Monsanto by Bayer Pharmaceuticals. Like I, I've mentioned Bayer before in this podcast and I don't hate these people. I don't, I don't, 
I don't think about these people at night and think, oh, gee, they should all burn in hell. It's just a gigantic corporation, a gigantic pharmaceutical corporation that has got so so powerful that its moral compass is completely defunct, as far as I can tell. Now, when Bayer Pharmaceuticals buys out Monsanto, essentially consumes that company and rebrands it under Bayer, you then have that organization uh, trying to nullify all the bad press that Bayer, uh, that, that Monsanto um, received over the past decades, you know, with everything they've been doing um, right the way through from, you know, herbicides, pesticides, uh, glyphosate-based products, um, their absolute stranglehold, uh, the, the grip that they had uh, on the cotton industry, um, uh, many other agricultural industries, farming, um, you know, uh, GMO-based industry, the emergence of, of, of genetically modified crops. Um, I mean, for me personally, I, that is not my area of expertise, but um, I, I am concerned about what I have seen, and my personal opinion is that when a company like Monsanto or what is now Bayer Pharmaceuticals, uh, when they try to access the hemp industry and the cannabis industry, which they are definitely doing, they've already done it, um, when they try and tell, let's say, the farmers that you need to, um, you need to spray herbicides or apply, you know, pesticides, herbicides to your hemp crops or cannabis crops to keep, you know, the pests away or keep the weeds away. It's, you know, you could do five minutes of research on hemp and cannabis and find out it doesn't need any of this uh, chemical treatment. It doesn't need to be applied to this industry. So um, if that is a, a singular look at the way that corporations go about selling us things we don't need uh, that also have adverse effects on the environment and your your personal health then we need to identify these things and put a stop to it and um look maybe one day there might be a uh, an awakening of sorts within the corporate world and they find a new business model in actually servicing the people and not uh, gutting uh, you know, gutting the people or um, consuming consuming wealth to the nth degree that they don't understand um, the long term concept of happiness. If if there was true happiness globally, I think that would be the ultimate balance. But it is at this point in time a bit of a fairy tale. I honestly believe for corporations to operate responsibly but that's just the current model we have been living in and i think it is sort of starting to change it is starting to correct i think the new generation uh coming up and the one under that uh everyone's coming up in this world and realizing it it is it is out of balance and that natural balance will i think correct itself um we will come back the other way but it's these things take time um, so if you are worried, <laughs> be patient, uh, but also be active. Get out there, uh, do things, get in your local community, get into uh, industries that you would like to work in and make the change come from within. Um, identify an industry that isn't even existing yet. Just keep working, keep researching, keep reading, um, 
you can be the change. You could be the catalyst for something that just doesn't exist yet that could change the world. You don't know that you may not be uh, useful or not in this world until you try. You must get out there and try. That is a fundamentally important concept to understand. No matter what level you were educated to, if you were born in a dirt you know, patch in Sudan and you're listening to this, I don't... I don't see that your history has written itself. You must seek knowledge and learn. It is fundamentally important. We have the power to do so, and, uh, you know, you've just got to try and get out there and, and educate yourself. That is the, the most important thing is to, to expand your mind and connect, connect with people. Um, you know, your local community is a good start from there anytime you can seek adventure get out there do what you have to do to live but get out there and always seek a better way um so in some in summarizing this first episode uh, as we near the 50 minute mark i would like to say that uh, as far as hemp clothing australia is concerned we are not a aggressively uh, globally orientated uh, demigod. We are essentially globally active. We can send our stuff anywhere in the world. We can help uh, organizations, companies, other brands, other labels, you know, businesses. We can help anyone in the world, but we want to do that by supplying a product that is essentially a better way to go. It's better for your health. It's better for the environment. It is just a basic product. We are not uh, essentially reinventing the wheel here we are identifying something that can be done better and we are doing it that is what this company is about that is why i do what i do and my thoughts are just uh in, in this podcast for you to reflect on um uh, i would like to say that uh we could look to continue doing this podcast in the future uh, purely as an educational form this is a if you will, the first step at a company or a corporate approach to a knowledge-based educational podcast that is supported by a company that will put the time in to help the public make better decisions. Um, I don't know if this has been done before. Um, I don't know how many other companies there are out there trying to do a similar concept, and to be honest, it doesn't really matter, but it, it would be good for companies to make a start uh, because companies are a part of the world. People who run companies are part of the world. And people who consume companies' products are part of the world. The supply chain of all of these companies are part of the world and all the people associated with that are part of the world. So we are essentially one gigantic living organism and we we have to sort of learn to work together. So I would like to see more corporate responsibility I would like to see more uh, openness about the way that we operate in life and business and how those two collate. And I would like to see uh, more progression towards whatever it is we are heading for, but in an open sense so that we are having discussions and identifying where it's going so that these things don't just pop up and hit us in the face, so to speak. You know, if we discuss uh, things enough, if we talk enough, if we uh, 
um, don't censor good ideas, uh, we will get there. We will, we will get there and we will make it, but we must communicate and we must not suppress information. Information must be free. It must be globally accessible. The internet, for instance, is not, it is not to be controlled by any one group, organization, government, body of you know, corporate identities. The, the internet is critical to our freedom. It is the, it is the fire that essentially must continue to burn uh, unhindered. We cannot, we just cannot starve that fire. I don't want to get too, um, you know, sentimental about it. Uh, there are no amount of analogies that can make that sound, uh, you know, more relevant. It is just important that we stay connected and that uh, we do progress. We have to. Um, so... I would like to sign off episode one um, and I look forward to episode two. Uh, We'll see how often we can have these episodes come out. I don't intend to schedule it. It it must be based on a real life, uh, you know, base of experiences, which is uh, in my way of saying we are very busy in what we do. And when we get the time to sit down and reflect on our life, we will do so. This is not a podcast hosted by, you know, a larger studio or a, uh, a corporate overlord telling us, no, you cannot talk about this and you will not talk about that. And, you know, please shove this five minute ad at the start of your podcast. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is supported entirely by, uh, Myself, this company I run, Hemp Clothing Australia, we do not uh, need to be selling other people's products. But, you know, if, say, 10 years down the track, we are bigger and larger than than we are now um, and the whole thing changes, well, we'll look at it then. But it's not my concern at this point in time. I just am here to reflect on what is important to me and what I think might be important to you. Please get in touch with us, share your thoughts, share what's happening in your part of the world. I would like to hear from you and I hope at some point you can drop by our website and have a look at what we are doing. We are still quite an early company. Uh, We are still in our infancy of what I would like it to be but we are growing quite quickly and the feedback from the, the public the global community is that they do love our hemp that is important we strive to make very good clothing that would last a very long time and uh, i would finish by saying that in any any area of fashion and textiles uh, if this is your core interest of why you found uh, or how you found our podcast then please look at the industry in its current state Fast fashion is not sustainable. That is a core reason why I started Hemp Clothing Australia. So we like to look at what we do as slow fashion, and that is to say that we create garments that last a long time so that they don't have to be remade. And if they do get thrown out, they biodegrade and they do not release you know, large amounts of microplastics such as what synthetic garments do. You can 
Google that term and go down the rabbit hole on microplastics from synthetics and petrochemical-based industry. It is definitely a rabbit warren. Um, We want to create things that last a long time and uh, we want to give a better deal to consumers. Um, And I don't like using the word consumers, but it is... uh, still a true fact of life we do consume we eat things every day we use things every day and we are consuming but there is a better way forward where i believe there is more balance um and i believe the balance through fashion and textile industry can be better affected by using a lot more hemp hemp is the way to go folks so I will end this podcast now as this is the end of episode one. It is the 5th of December, 2017, and we hope to give you guys many more episodes and include a lot more stories and feedback about our experiences and interesting things that uh, we encounter or learn about. We will share as much as we can. And... uh, I think I think this will be fun. I don't know. I've enjoyed this episode. So this is Chris Martin, founder of Hemp Clothing Australia, signing off. And I wish you guys all the best. Enjoy your hemp. Goodbye.